Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Hello, and welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. As per usual, I'm your host, Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Tonight's story was written by Jessica and will be read by Simon. It's set in London, the capital of England. As I'm sure you know, London is a very big city. More than nine million people live there, and that's just people. That number doesn't include birds or foxes or cats or dogs. All those creatures and many more besides make London their home too. This story is all about one of London's tiniest residents, a field mouse with sleek grey fur, dark eyes, a squiggly long tail, and a nose that can't help twitching when he smells something good to eat. His name is Percival, and we'll hear all about his life very soon. If you're enjoying the show and would like to hear even more episodes, all completely ad-free, we'd love for you to try Get Sleepy Premium. You'll have access to our entire catalogue of over 600 stories and meditations, including extra-long episodes like stitched versions of our Rainy Day Bakery series. Plus, every Thursday, you'll receive a weekly bonus episode exclusive to the premium feed. Tomorrow's story is set in the French capital of Paris, where I'll be reading about a young woman exploring the charming and trendy neighborhood of Le Mare. The first seven days of your premium subscription are free, so why not join us on premium tomorrow night? For more information on all of our plans, visit getsleepy.com support or just follow the link in the show notes. Thanks so much. Now, make sure you're nice and comfortable in bed. Cocoon yourself under your covers, cozy and safe in your sanctuary of rest. With each breath in and out, and each and every word you listen along to tonight, you can allow yourself to be carried away into a blissful sleepiness. Further from the events of the day, and further from any troubles, any responsibilities, 
they can all fade away as you rest in your comfy cocoon. Sense the heavy weight of your eyelids, the tiredness in your muscles, the easing of your mind. Enjoy all of these sensations. They are the natural components that guide us towards sleep. And your imagination can visualize our calming story so that you can drift into a peaceful, dreamy slumber. Like a butterfly that emerges from its cocoon, beautiful and free, you'll wake up tomorrow feeling all the better for this rest, ready to spread your own wings and thrive in your day-to-day life. It's time for me to hand over to Simon as he tells us all about a sleepy day in the life of a little mouse in London. It is a misty London morning. The sun is just starting to peep over the horizon. Percival cracks open his eye, stretches his tail, and sits up with a big yawn. Percival is a very small mouse in a very big city, and that is just the way he likes it. There is no one to tell him what to do, or where to go, or even where he should sleep at night. So, every night, Percival finds a different sleep spot for himself. And every morning, he wakes up somewhere new and exciting. This morning, Percival wakes up in Hyde Park, underneath a statue of a boy. The boy is blowing a horn, and all around him, tiny fairies and animals are gathered to listen to his tune. There is a small sign at the bottom of the statue. Percival reads it. The boy is a character from a children's book. His name is Peter Pan. He is a magical boy who never grows up and lives in a fantastic place called Neverland. Neverland seems like an interesting place to visit 
Percival thinks to himself. But there's so much to do in London, he's not sure if he'll have time to make the trip. Percival scurries through the park. It's already busy. Joggers are running in loops. Parents are pushing babies in prams. And all the neighborhood dogs are out for their morning walk. He heads for the Italian gardens in a secluded corner at the edge of the park. Here, there are four enormous marble fountains. Percival sighs and closes his eyes a moment, listening to the peaceful ripple and bubble of the water. Then he opens his eyes and chooses the splashiest fountain of all to dive into. Perfect for his morning bath. Feeling clean and refreshed, Percival is ready to start his day. In a city as hustling and bustling as London, every day is an adventure. But today is especially exciting for Percival. Percival has a cousin called Petunia, who lives in a very grand mousehole in Buckingham Palace. And today, she has invited Percival to visit her for afternoon tea at three o'clock. Percival leaves Hyde Park and darts over the road to Paddington train station, where a big clock hangs in the arrival hall. It is nine in the morning. That leaves Percival plenty of time to get to Buckingham Palace. But what should he do in between? His stomach gives a little mouse-sized rumble. Of course, first, Percival needs to find a delicious breakfast. In London, you can find food from every country in the world. Kebabs from Turkey, baguettes from France, Ethiopian injera bread, and samosas from India. But right now, Percival feels like a nibble of a very English treat. Bakewell tart. A Bakewell tart has a buttery pastry shell. Inside, it's filled with strawberry jam and sweet custard. And it's topped with paper-thin almond flakes. The best Bakewell tart in town is from a famous cake shop in Soho. Percival scurries through the station until he reaches Paddington's underground subway. Of course, he doesn't call it that. Londoners call their subway 
the Tube, and it's the oldest underground railway in the world. In fact, Paddington Station was the very first tube station opened in 1863. At nine in the morning, Paddington Station is very busy. People in suits are rushing off to work. Newspaper sellers are waving papers in the air. Buskers are playing cheerful songs and children are hurrying to school. The train pulls up and Percival hops aboard. With a whoosh, it pulls away from the platform and whizzes through a tunnel under the city streets. As he counts down the stops until he reaches Soho, Percival peeks at the headlines on the newspaper one of his fellow passengers is reading. Lovely summer's day in London, reads one story. Beneath it, another announces, King will wave to crowds from his Buckingham Palace balcony this afternoon. Percival hops off the train in Soho and darts straight for his favourite bakery. Upon entering, he breathes in the most tantalising aroma. He smells the flaky shoe pastry of fresh profiteroles. He catches the buttery scent of piping hot scones. And then, there it is, the whisker-tremblingly delicious smell of jam and custard and pastry and almond all mingled together. Bakewell tart. Percival waits in the doorway, watching as customers walk in and out again, carrying paper bags of treats. A man in a pinstripe suit orders a Bakewell tart. Percival follows him down the footpath to Soho Square, where the man sits on a shaded bench and takes a big bite of tart. Percival is ready and waiting to catch the crumbs as they fall. Delicious! Licking the last traces of custard and jam from his whiskers, Percival strolls through Soho Square. He has the whole morning ahead of him. He decides he'll go to Regent Street to do some shopping. A girl in a bright flowered dress rides her bicycle through the square. She's heading in exactly the direction Percival wants to go. He scurries up the back wheel and settles into the girl's satchel. He peeks out over the edge, feeling a gentle breeze ruffle his fur. 
the city streets zoom by. Soon enough, Percival recognizes the wide avenue of Regent Street, lined on either side with tall, grand buildings. The girl stops at a red light, and Percival hops down and goes straight through the front door of one of the oldest department stores in London. Inside, with its stained glass windows and high arched roof, it looks more like a castle than a shop. First, Percival walks through the clothing department, swishing past racks of skirts and trousers and scarves. In the chinaware section, he clambers over porcelain teacups and saucers, and his paws make a tinkling sound against the china. In homewares, he nestles up between squashy cushions and soft pillows. He sighs with contentment. Percival is so comfortable, he nearly closes his eyes and drifts off to sleep. He must spend the night sleeping in this linen department soon, he thinks. Finally, he heads up the stairs to the top floor and his very favorite part of the store, stationery. Here, across old oak tables, notebooks are piled high. Percival takes a deep sniff. He loves the fresh, creamy smell of new paper. There are cabinets, too, filled with dozens of teeny tiny drawers. Inside each drawer, a beautiful fountain pen. And, stacked in a pyramid, are pots of ink in every color. Percival admires shimmering deep blue ink, midnight black ink, mossy green ink, and crimson red ink. Very carefully, he dips one paw into an inkwell and, at the back of a notebook, leaves a tiny paw print in bright purple ink. He laughs to himself, wondering who will buy the notebook and how surprised they'll be when they find a mouse's paw print on the very last page. At the counter stands a family, two parents and two children. The son has chosen a shiny new notebook, the daughter a pen that writes with glittering blue ink. As their purchases are wrapped in tissue paper, Percival overhears them, discussing where they'll go next. 221B Baker Street, the home of the famous fictional detective Sherlock Holmes. Percival would quite like to visit Sherlock Holmes' house, he decides. So 
He climbs up the counter and leaps into the bag as the shop assistant hands it to the daughter. In this manner, the family leave the shop. The daughter swinging the bag between her fingers and make their way to 221B Baker Street, taking Percival the field mouse with them. Inside 221B Baker Street, Percival leaps out of the carrier bag and marvels at the apartment he finds himself in. It feels like he has stepped backward through time. The room is lined with shelves filled with leather-bound books. A fire crackles in the fireplace, and an old-fashioned roll-top desk is covered with all the tools Sherlock used to solve his cases. A chemistry set with a beaker of strange liquid bubbling over a Bunsen burner. An abacus, sheets of paper covered in complicated mathematical calculations, invisible ink, encyclopedias on topics from Scottish wildflowers to oceanography, and, of course, the long-stemmed pipe that Sherlock used to puff on when he was thinking through a case. Percival especially loves the wing-backed red velvet armchair by the fire. This was where Sherlock used to sit and explain how he solved yet another case with the words, Elementary, my dear Watson. Percival waits till no one else is watching, then leaps up into the chair. It is wonderfully soft and warm here. Before he can stop it, a wide yawn escapes him. But he can't go to sleep yet, tempting as it is. He has an important appointment at Buckingham Palace this afternoon. He hasn't forgotten. Outside Baker Street, Percival wonders what the time is. There's no clock to be seen. And, being a mouse, he can't exactly ask a passer-by how late it is. Luckily, Percival knows just where to find the biggest and best clock in all of London. A red double-decker bus stops at the station just outside Baker Street, and Percival dashes on. He climbs the steps to the top deck, naturally. Every Londoner knows that's where the best views are to be found. Through the window, he sees brick houses with chimneys sprouting out of their roofs, oak trees with green leaves and churches with stained-glass windows. At last, as the bus approaches his stop, Percival sees the clock, Big Ben. Big Ben 
is the name given to the clock tower at Westminster Palace, home of the British government. It's a very impressive tower, nearly 100 meters tall. For a human to reach the top, they'd need to climb up 334 steps. Percival thinks about how many more steps a mouse like he would have to take. On the outside of the tower is an enormous clock. And inside the tower are five gigantic bells. Every 60 minutes, the bells ring out loud and clear, telling all of London that another hour has passed. Percival looks at the time. It's nearly noon. The bus stops and he scurries off. He is just in time to do one of his favorite things. He darts through the crowd of people gathered to watch Big Ben ring the hour and runs to the base of the clock tower. He snuggles up nice and close to the sun-warmed stone and waits until it sounds. The clang of the bell sends a shiver down Percival's spine and sets his tail trembling. But there's no time to stand around admiring the tall clock tower. Percival has places to go and mice to see. He never comes over to this side of town without visiting one of his favorite London attractions, Trafalgar Square. He scurries up Parliament Street, stopping to nod his head at 10 Downing Street, the house with the shiny black door. The Prime Minister of Britain and his family live behind that black door. And so does Poppy, another one of Percival's many, many field mouse cousins. Percival thinks to himself that he must go and visit Poppy sometime. He's heard that the carpets of Downing Street are always spread with delicious crumbs from the scones and sandwiches the Prime Minister and others eat at afternoon tea time. Trafalgar Square is surrounded by busy roads. Cars and buses and taxis whiz to and fro. Percival doesn't dare cross the street by himself. Instead, he leaps into the pocket of a parking inspector. After the parking inspector crosses the street, Percival leaps down again. Now he is in Trafalgar Square. At the center of the square is a tall statue called Nelson's Column, named after Horatio Nelson, one of the most famous captains in the British Navy. At the base of the statue are four more statues, four grand-looking copper lions with flowing manes. 
Percival's grandma once told him an interesting story about these lions. They may look like statues, she told him, but really they are the magical protectors of the whole city of London. If the city or its people are ever in danger, Big Ben will chime 13 times and the lions will come to life to protect every Londoner. Percival nods hello to the lions as he passes them. He says hello too to all the pigeons who flock to the square. People come from all over London to Trafalgar Square to feed the pigeons delicious scraps, sometimes even fish and chips. A friendly pigeon offers to share a tasty chip with Percival, but Percival has a better idea. His next stop will be Borough Market. Percival wanders down to the banks of the Thames, the grand, wide river that flows through central London. He breathes in the fresh river air and lets the sunshine warm his whiskers. It is the perfect afternoon for a ride on the ferry. With a gentle chugging sound, the ferry splashes and sploshes down the river. Percival looks up just as the ferry passes beneath the Millennium Bridge, a shiny modern bridge that glints in the sun. Next, the ferry passes Tower Bridge, an old stone bridge that has stood for centuries. Next to the bridge is the famous Tower of London. Kings and queens used to imprison people there in the olden days. Luckily, now the tower is a museum where the crown jewels are kept safe. Percival went to visit them once. They were beautiful. His favorite was the scepter, a tall gold wand topped with a glittering diamond that has been used at the coronation of every king and queen of Britain since 1661. Percival daydreams about the shiny jewels all the way to the market. The borough market is filled with stalls selling food from across the globe. But there's only one stall Percival is interested in, McClintock's Cheesemongers. Mr. McClintock smiles when he sees Percival and flicks a juicy chunk of cheddar cheese in Percival's direction. Percival gobbles it up and wipes the crumbs from his whiskers. A family of white mice are nibbling on a rind of brie. They wave hello to Percival, and Percival waves back. But he can't stop and chat. He's just seen the time, nearly three in the afternoon. He has to get to Buckingham Palace. 
Luckily, he knows the best way to get there. He sneaks onto a London tour bus and, making sure none of the tourists can see him, finds a spot right by the driver. He peers out the window. He sees the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral, the giant Ferris wheel called the London Eye, and the shiny new buildings in the city centre. He hears an opera singer practising an aria from inside the marble halls of the Royal Opera House, and he smells the sweet scent of the rose bushes in Kensington Gardens. The bus dings. Next stop, Buckingham Palace. Percival hops off and darts down onto the street. Here he is at last. The palace lies behind a tall, wrought iron fence. Dotted along the fence are small, covered shelters, just wide enough for a person to stand in, known as guardhouses. Inside each of these houses stands a palace guard, wearing a bright red jacket and a tall, furry hat. Percival thinks the guards look quite funny, but the guards themselves are very serious. Percival knows that even if he pulls a silly face or sings a ridiculous song or scampers up a guard's trouser leg, their serious expression will stay firmly in place. Just as he's beginning to wonder how he'll get past the guards and the fence, he hears a familiar squeak and spies Petunia waving to him on the other side of the fence. She points to a tiny mouse hole at the back of a guardhouse. Percival scurries through and soon finds himself in the palace gardens. Petunia is so glad to see him. Together, the two mice scamper past perfectly manicured hedges, bright flower beds filled with daffodils and bluebells and hollyhocks, and a gold and marble fountain, spraying gently bubbling jets of water. They dart through another secret mouse hole, and there they are, inside the palace. Percival can't believe how marvellous Buckingham Palace is. Its ceilings are amazingly high, and its walls are decorated with real gold. Grand paintings of famous kings and queens are hung all over them. Before they sit down to tea, Petunia shows Percival around the palace. They begin at the Grand Staircase, a wide, red-carpeted set of stairs that spirals up, up, up. Percival loves the way his paws feel, sinking into the carpet. He has never walked on such soft carpet before. They scamper through the white drawing room. 
where a sparkling chandelier glitters over their heads. Through the gallery, where the walls are covered with pink silk wallpaper and hung with priceless old paintings in golden frames. And into the throne room, where two red velvet thrones sit atop a platform. Percival, feeling daring, darts up one of the throne's gilded legs and comes to rest on its plush velvet cushion. So this is what it feels like to be royal, he thinks. Through the door of the throne room, Percival spies a familiar figure. He has snow-white hair and he is wearing a grey flannel suit with a green silk necktie. He turns to look at Petunia, who nods. That is the king himself. Petunia suggests they follow him to the royal balcony. The king is scheduled to wave at the crowds today, Petunia explains, and it is always quite a sight to see. On the balcony, Percival sees the king from behind as he lifts his hand and waves this way and that. Through the railings, he can glimpse the crowd, a sea of people waving bright red and blue flags and cheering. The balcony is very high up, and past the crowds, Percival can see the palace grounds, the green of Kensington Gardens, the glittering blue of the Thames, and the tall skyscrapers of central London. He sighs happily. He loves being a London mouse. The king says something very softly to one of his footmen. Percival can't make it out exactly, but he thinks he was saying that it is high time for a nice cup of tea. Percival and Petunia agree, so Petunia leads him back to her mouse hole, which is very nicely decorated, for a cup of piping hot tea and a platter of shortbread cookie crumbs. Percival and Petunia spend a long time together, talking about their mousely adventures. They talk and sip tea for such a long time that outside the sky turns dark and stars appear. Percival yawns. Petunia insists that he should stay tonight in the palace. She knows the best place of all to sleep. She leads Percival down a secret corridor to a small cupboard. Inside, the cupboard is filled with linen napkins and tablecloths and fluffy towels, all embroidered with a golden crown. This is the king's personal linen cupboard, Petunia explains. Percival burrows into a pile of soft tablecloths, pulls a napkin up to his chin, and wishes his cousin good night. Good night.
Being a king must be terribly nice, thinks Percival. But as he snuggles into the snowy white linen, he can't help but think that it is terribly nice to be a London mouse, too. With that, he stretches his paws, closes his eyes, and drifts off into a deep, comfortable sleep.